This episode is brought to you by Feel Free from BotanicTonics.com. Feel Free is a small two-ounce shot made from kava and other ancient plants, and the feeling that it provides is incredible. It is euphoric. It gives you this sense of focus. It reduces anxiety, and it just puts you in a relaxed state in your body. Think of it as a plant-based magical elixir that can uplift your mood, increase your productivity, and give you the energy to do the things you want to do today. There are so many applications for when you can use Feel Free. A few examples are using Feel Free to get into a flow state before yoga, meditation, or exercise. People are using this as a kind of energy drink to go running for miles at a time. And it's also great for socializing. It just makes it easier to connect to people around you. There isn't this kind of background hum of anxiety anymore. It just really melts away. And that also makes it a great replacement for alcohol. So if you're ready to feel free, go to botanictonics.com and use promo code ZIAN40 for 40% off. Again, that's botanictonics.com, promo code ZIAN40, X-I-A-N 40, at botanictonics.com. This episode is also brought to you by Sheath, the underwear of legends. What makes Sheath different is the pouch on the inside. Now this is a game-changing invention that completely revolutionizes the male undergarment. These are the most comfortable underwear I have ever worn by far. They've got amazing designs and styles, super comfortable fabrics. My favorite is the bamboo and also the V, which is a long leg athletic underwear that doesn't ride up and it supports you where it matters most. So go check out Sheath at sheathunderwear.com and use promo code TIMEWHEEL to save 20%. Once again, that's sheathunderwear.com, promo code TIMEWHEEL.
All right, we are rolling, and I'm here with my friend Michael Garfield for part two of our podcast. How's it going today, brother? It's going well. Awesome. Glad to have you, man. Yeah, the last time we uh, we did as long as we could, that time would allow us, and we only got halfway through the story of you know your story, all the different things that you're into. Um, I do want to put a little bookmark here and say I want to get to music. We didn't even talk about music last time. We talked about dinosaurs. We talked about art, but we didn't talk about music. So I want to get to music. But where we finished the last podcast, it ended on talking about the Vedic cosmos, which I'm not extremely familiar with. But are you familiar with? the Vedic cosmos very much or not that much? Illuminate me. Well, it's a whole different cosmology of the way things were structured and ordered than we would typically think of as the earth floating in space. There are like these dimensions, realms that our consciousness can go to and even inhabit you know for example there's this realm where the ascended masters or the the yogis reside after their death you know we think of it as a heaven but there isn't just a heaven there's tons of planes there's tons of planes of heavens you know what i mean like the higher your wisdom and spiritual advancement becomes the higher the heaven you have access to you could even be on the same level as like a where the Shivas and the Ganeshas reside. Um, but, you know, a lot of like people who die a yogi and die with a Maha Samadhi, which is a conscious choice to leave the body, do ascend to a, a higher state or plane of reality that they can then exist on with other beings. It's a pretty crazy idea. Yeah, I I think that the notion of the modern Cartesian open out there mm-hmm. thing, which was uh, a rupture of the the prior medieval, you know, nested layers of being, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I think we've, I think we've ruptured back into that mm. understanding of nestedness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you say you've reached in your psychedelic experiences certain planes of reality like that maybe were identifiable through other mythologies, you know? Like I myself have felt like, oh, is this Elysium? Is this what they mean? You know what I mean? You reach this place where you're like, this is something I've heard about, I've read about that exists in the zeitgeist is it that you know it's only it's for a few minutes it's not even for a day it's but it's like you land in a place it's like is this elysium holy shit this is what they were talking about 
you know? Right. Have you had any of those experiences? Oh, for sure. I mean, for sure. Uh, I actually, here. <clears throat> this is the, some of the awesome. AI art that I nice. generated out of that specific prompt. It's like a Gaia plane or something. I love that. It's an elven, elven realm, no? Yeah, I mean, so I've been... <laughs> I've been playing Tears of the Kingdom. I haven't heard of it. Legend of Zelda. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So my friend, my my roommates are playing that the new, yeah. the new Zelda. I just I just call it Zelda these days. But <laughs> yeah, so that that game is a sacred text mm -hmm. of the digital emergent psychedelic, and it is speaking to the same sort of like floating islands, Roger Dean thing. Oh, nice. Yeah. That you and I are, and that was all the way back to the Greeks, right? In the, you know, Olympus and the humans and the underworld. Yeah. And so this is, this, it's real. It's, it's there. Right. It's, there is a, there is a, uh, Matryoshka cosmology. Yeah. No. Yeah. This is exactly like the Vedic cosmos. Just like that. Yeah. I love that. I want to make a little clip where I talk about the Vedic cosmos and then you show you doing that. That's, that's it, you know. Um, I wish I was more well-versed on it. They all have specific names, like what the realms are called and who resides there and the type of structures that they have. Um, that's super interesting. Um, there's a million things I, I want to I dive into, but I guess we're going to finish. Let's finish the Michael Garfield art story, and then we can circle back to some of these ideas. Um so in the last podcast, we learned how your fascination with dinosaurs began, uh, how you began playing guitar um, on your mushroom journey at the camping trip where it just, you entered a flow state and you realized you could channel the musicality through the nervous system and into the instrument and, you know, into the surrounding uh, field, which is awesome. Um, and then we learned about you beginning painting and how people were kind of confusing it for Aboriginal art or ayahuasca art, and you hadn't even done ayahuasca yet. But of course, you know you were drawn to drawn drawn to those experiences through art, which is a funny thing because that's happened to me so many times. Where I make an art piece about a thing before I do the thing, and it calls the thing in. I think that that's understated and i think people can manifest a lot through their art whether it's music or a piece of art it's like if you want to bring something into your life let's say a romance paint you with a partner watch what happens you know what i mean write a song about finding the romance of your life watch what happens <laughs> it works you know but to get to music um 
yes, you played guitar, but you you've also begun writing lyrics, singing, performing live, kind of in a live looper fashion. We've played a number of shows together over the years. Um, I know you're still doing it. Um, one of my friends was actually one of you at your recent shows, another guest from the podcast in the past, um, which is cool. Um, but I'm curious, you know, once you learned how to play guitar, what's the story from that point about how you decided I want to be a musician. I want to create songs. What were the type of songs you wanted to make? Why did you want to make them? And, and yeah, tell us, tell us a little bit about that. Right before I got on the call with you, my buddy uh, Raven Mikial, uh, Mitch Mignano, he was the audience for a piece that I wrote in 2005 on a ukulele uh, about cartography. Mm. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that song, the cart- the cartographers, um, which I will at some point make a music video out of. Nice. is all about the discontinuities between the symbols that we use and the things themselves. Mm. What does that mean? Hold on. The discontinuity. So we recognize a certain symbol in our culture. Map is not the territory. Okay. So we think it's a thing, but it's not. The, mo- that, that, the model that reminds me of archetypes, right? The model always has externalities. Mm. And, you know, the, I mean, it's like, you know, you eat, you consume food to create structure, to produce your body. Mm-hmm. You extreme. You 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 waste heat as a mammal excessively. Um, and it's the same with every mathematical system or knowledge system of any kind. I definitely agree with that about mathematics because there's not even a single whole number. Everything is has decimals within everything. Well, there's girdles and completeness. There's, uh, you know, David Wolpert's uh, no free lunch theorem. Mm-hmm. And you have these, you know, it's, it's, it's proofs that basically, uh, 
what you have is an, an intentional spotlight on something that creates a blind spot somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And of course, because there's a blind spot somewhere else, then in time, the uh, you want to put another camera there. Mm-hmm. And so you end up with a cascading proliferation of surveillance and the evolution of intelligence is a, uh, a, a bootstrapping project, you know? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. interesting. So the song you wrote about cartography on a ukulele, was this one of your first song songs or no? It's old. It's, it's, it's uh, on Get Used to Being Everything from... Mm, love that title. 2006, yeah. Nice. Can you tell me what is your first album? That's, that's the one. That's the album. And I'm sure a bunch of psychedelic experiences inform that album, no? Yeah, as well as hauntings. Mm. I, I was living in a haunted house at the time. In Austin? In Lawrence, Kansas. Kansas, okay. And uh, it really... It took me a minute. This was my discovery of and integration with the Jungian anima. Mm. You know, the the Night Witch. You know, the Black Madonna the dark part of myself. Yeah. Capital S. How did that come up? That's like there's like a experience. Uh, I mean, possibly, but I mean, it, it really, but it did in fact manifest as poltergeist experiences. So things moving. Yeah. In the physical things, world. Like wow. windows were broken. Things were ripped off of, you know, the bells, hanging on our porch were ripped off. The doors of my car were knocked out. Mm, wow. Um, I mean, I mean the, the windows of my car and, and my, my, my car tires were punctured. Um, and then finally I was at a ween show. Mm-hmm. I th- We talked about this, I think in the last episode, didn't we? I'm not sure. Uh, but, but, I was, but I went through this whole thing where I, I realized that there's a thank, thank Ken Wilbur for the uh, three, two, one process, which is the third person, second person, first person. Mm-hmm. The uh, third person is you see something that elicits a, an emotional response from you. Let's say it's a dream. Mm-hmm. There's a gorilla in your dream. What is the, you know, why do you keep seeing this gorilla? Okay, well, let's, why not sit down and invite the gorilla to dinner? Have mm-hmm. the, you know, ha- have some conversation. Mm-hmm. And then you get a 
uh, tango. And eventually you have sussed it out that you are both parties. Right. Like you, you know, you're like, okay, I'm going to indulge this thought experiment. And then you're like, ah, ha, 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 ha. That was me. And so that's what happened was like, I, you know, this force was causing all kinds of mayhem mm. in my home. And I accepted the fact that it was me mm. by engaging it in conversation while on an absurd amount of psychedelics, uh, uh, like 21 years old, 2005, uh, at Ween, and there's like standing there watching them rock out and realizing that there was, I wasn't in the house anymore, but I, I felt that same presence mm. that had been looming over me while I was trying to record the album in the haunted attic, third floor of this old house in Lawrence, Kansas. Mm. And I was like, so wait, it's, I thought I was living in a haunted house, but no, I'm haunted. And so, okay. So where is that? And then I, I called her forth and then that is a whole separate story. You called her the anima anima. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was like, okay, wait a minute. If you're here, then you are not uh, locationally, you, you, you know, you're not, you're not geopositioned, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're with me. Mm-hmm. So what are you? And then. Yeah, that's interesting. I want to talk about this because, uh, I don't get to talk a lot about the supernatural on here. I mean, we talk a lot about psychedelics and the spiritual, but the supernatural is still something I have interest in that I haven't had a lot of guests speak on. Um, So my, the most captivating story I've heard about the supernatural is that of Aleister Crowley. Okay. Where he lived on Loch Ness. He bought a mansion. He was a rich guy. And he come he went ahead and did pretty much the craziest type of ritual magic, I mean, maybe ever done on the planet. I mean, at least that we know about. You know, if other people are doing deeper level rituals than than him, we just they don't talk about it and they don't write books about it the way he did. So we don't really know much about it. But it was said that they had to burn that house down because he did not complete certain rituals and therefore left portals open for beings from other fucking dimensions to come in through, and no one could live there after him. Everyone that moved in was like, nah, this place is fucked. I'm out. And then even people, like, they were like, I'm a fan of Aleister Crowley. I want to buy the house. I think one of them was like a beetle, like one of the Beatles. (laughs) And then he was like, okay, actually, this house isn't cool. We got to fucking burn it down. 
start from scratch, build a whole new foundation because this house is fucked, you know? Like, he, when you create these <clears throat> portals for other dimensional entities and shit to come in, um, you're kind of fucking with some stuff, dude. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy, but it, it's sounding similar here. Um, yes. Yeah. What would you say about the supernatural, maybe magic, you know, beings and fucking things coming in from the other side? And it sounds like you were dealing with one, a poltergeist, you know? Well, I mean, at first I I mean, the reason that it was treating us so... I had three roommates, I mean, three housemates, right? In this Mm -hmm. just cavernous, ancient, uh, old house in Lawrence. The reason that it was this way... Because it was uh, because we were treating it as another. Okay, let me back it up. I mean, this is where I was living right after I got out of college. Mm -hmm. I was with my the the woman who is now the mother of my children. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was dating her, but she. And I, like, I met her at the last year of my undergraduate degree. Mm-hmm. And then I thought that she, and she was a freshman. And I was, and I had big plans for grad school, but like, I was like, oh no, I fell in love. And now, now what, mm-hmm. you know? And I was all twisted about it. And so I, you know, while this stuff was going on, I happened into the folklore around fairy Mm. and, and brownies. What are brownies? I know what fairies are. What are brownies? Fairies, brownies, you know, the, the kobold, like there's, there's this whole uh, European thing about, uh, domestic, you know, the, the duende. Uh, th- there are domestic earth spirits mm-hmm. that have to be uh, like if if you're on your path, if you're doing the if you're doing what you you should be doing. Mm-hmm. then they're facilitators. Right. If you're not doing what you're, you know, if you're a mess, then they're going to mess you up. And, mm. and that's the thing is like, all of this poltergeist phenomena I learned comes in concert with emotionally disturbed adolescents, Mm -hmm. like young adults, 
Yeah. Because like they 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 don't have their shit sorted out. Right. That's really interesting. I want to I, I want to recommend these two movies really quick, both to you and to the listeners. But for people interested in this Aleister Crowley type shit, there's a movie called A Dark Song. Have you ever seen it? No. It's really good. Well-made movie. It's about the exact type of ritual magic uh, and and being in a house that Aleister Crowley... It's it's based on Aleister Crowley. Uh, It's not about him, but it's about what he did and how he did it. And it's called The Dark Song. It's like an hour and a half. It's so fucking dope. And at the, actually, I can't say what happens at the end, but it's really good. I don't want to spoil it for you guys, but a dark song. The other thing I wanted to mention about fairies and Fae is uh, I learned a lot about them through the series American Gods, which is also a book. Ever heard of either of those, the book or the series? I read the book. I didn't watch the show. Okay. So in American Gods, they give a lot of mythological background to the various gods and supernatural beings uh, from Earth's mythology. And fairies is one of them. Um, it, and I, I believe in the, the thing it came from uh, in the show, they portray it as kind of originating from like Ireland. And they would actually leave food out every night for the fairies, like kind of out on the porch. It's like we leave food for the fairies so they'll bless us. And they would come back in the morning and the food would be gone. And, you know, they think the fairies would take it. I don't know what took it, but, you know, they would say the fairies and the fae took it. Um, American Gods, you can probably find the all the cutscenes on YouTube. You don't even have to watch the, like, seasons upon seasons upon seasons. If you just look up, like, American Gods, mythology, fairies, you'll be able to see some really cool shit on YouTube, I'm sure. Um, but they also go into the Vikings why Odin stabbed his own eye out for knowledge. What what are uh, leprechauns and, and how do they work and all this really cool shit. I want to bring that up because it gives a really good storytelling slash visual for the type of stuff that we're talking about here. Definitely check out that whole American Gods um, shit on YouTube or even watch the whole series. And Jacques Vallée. Say what? And, and read Jacques Vallée. Passport okay. to Magonia. Oh, wow. Okay. Passport to Magonia. Because Jacques Vallée is the one who has, I mean, you know, you, me, and Jacques Vallée, all, you know, Austin, Texas, doing Mm -hmm. the thing. Uh, He's like the most legit UFO researcher computer scientist you could imagine mm-hmm. and has maintained extraordinary poise epistemic humility mm-hmm. you know humble mm-hmm. shout out <laughs> about humble fam right about <laughs> the <laughs> nature of this stuff Mm -hmm. yeah the supernatural man it's interesting it's something that we can have the experience of but never really prove to anyone 
that, that's what makes it so interesting and and hard to talk about. Hold on, just a, I'm going to show you. Yep, I haven't read it yet. The Invisible College. Ooh, that sounds so dope. What a group of scientists have discovered about UFO influence on the human race. Wow. Yeah. I mean, there was supposed to be a big declassification recently. It ended up not being as much as we thought, and it probably never will be. But, I mean, aliens are here. Ships, we have the ships. I mean, there was a whistleblower that just came out. He used to be part of, like, the high-level intelligence in the government. And now he's saying, yo, I know for a fact they have ships. I've seen them. And, like, this guy checks out in his credibility. I don't know his name, but I was forwarded a number of stories that broke recently about this guy is urging Congress to go ahead and declassify and let everyone know that they're real. And he's seen the ships. They have bodies. They have ships. You're talking about, uh, what's it, Gary Brush? I don't remember his name, but it was on like Daily Mail or something like that or some big, oh, Guardian. It was on the Guardian. Um, I mean, they exist, you know? I mean, I feel like it's common sense that aliens exist. Um, And on one of my most recent podcasts, we talk about that they might be guiding the evolution of man. Uh, they, they, They care about us. You know, like certainly some of them might have their own agendas, but as a, as a generality, they empathize with the humans in our condition and the fact that we're destroying ourselves and are sad and depressed and they want to like send beams of hope to people in some shape or form. What do you think about that? Yes, and. <laughs> hmm. That's awesome. Well, <clears throat> to get to the music part, your music is full of ideas around these types of things. With the lyrics, I feel like aliens, UFOs, mystical experiences, beings, mis- yeah, mystical experiences, uh, entities, uh, realizations, actually, like, epiphanies, enlightenment. You explore all of these ideas. Um, would you tell us what you hope to accomplish with your music? What? How would you describe the project? How would you describe Michael Garfield as a musician, the albums you're putting out, what you're trying to channel, what you're trying to speak to? So this project... The Age of Reunion. Is that a latest album? Yeah. I mean, it's it's mostly out. Mm-hmm. It's uh, There are two-ish tracks that are not yet available on Bandcamp. So you're releasing it in Kanye fashion. So here's a little bit of the album. Here's a little more. Here's a little more. Yeah. I mean, 
<laughs> I don't mean to liken you to Kanye, but he did that where he like updated his album three or four fucking times. Well, you know, who else is doing that is Peter Gabriel. Oh, wow. Interesting. And I think that's the way to do it now because time is changing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the age of reunion really is what it is. I, I, it's songs I've been working since the oldest since 2008. Hmm. And I have a cluster of them in uh, like YouTube and Instagram. My, uh, I've been using uh, Kyber AI hmm. to uh, translate my intent through the manifold of whatever language model into a visual presentation that I feel very happy with mm-hmm. such that like this album is coming out quite bold mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's about, the reconciliation of the analog and digital. Mm. And tell me why does it need to reconcile the, 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 you know, the, the, the sacred and the mundane and the psychedelic and the normie. Mm. I mean, so it's like, you know, the first album get used to being everything was like, boink. I was the, it was the, um, I, I guess you could think of it as where you tie the balloon and then this album is the top of the balloon. Mm-hmm. Nice. Is there only two albums? Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I've dropped a couple tracks uh in the middle there. i know you've dropped singles maybe even eps but there's only two albums so far is that right yeah okay there's and then there's and, and there's a third that i have been drafting in public also um that is people can, people can find in like empty frames, acoustic demos, uh, or em- empty frames. What do you mean? Empty, empty frames. Like just, it's just, it's just the, it's just the me and the guitar. Okay. Got it. Um, so that I have it on record. Right. You know, because, God only knows. So I'm, I'm, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm undermining myself in some ways, but I'm getting, I'm getting the note to be a little cagier about this. 
and and not just like constantly slop out stuff like as soon as I'm ready. But yeah, I mean, I tend I tend to prefer to work in public, and so these you know, as with my art, you know, like painting at concerts and so on, like all of this stuff has been done, you know, incrementally over time. And uh, it's there. And the age of reunion is so very close to completion. It's, it's got... Is that a new album? I mean... It will, it will, it's, it's new and old. Mm-hmm. I'm hustling to get it done by my son's birthday this August, August 9th. Nice. But we'll see. Yeah. <clears throat> you said you like to play in public. What, what is, why? Like, why do you prefer that because i'm very the opposite i i prefer to be in the studio and the lab and the privacy when i do my music thing and i do dj so i get out there but i also feel this sense of like i really need to like be in my personal controlled environment while i create music well but but that's the but that's just it is that i i think it's important to have it on record as soon as possible so you don't forget it and it gets washed away right yeah yeah, I've been there a hundred times and I always recommend people, please learn how to take notes because like there's some part of us creative geniuses, you know, that think we are, there's no way I could forget this idea. It's like uh, something will pop up an epiphany and it's like, I won't forget that. So I don't need to write it down. But dude, I've lost so many fucking good lyrics and so many good ideas and so many things just because i thought i could remember it and i forget it and i've forgotten so so many good things so incredibly important to have at hand have 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 the pen have the book yep have the guitar you know whatever it is your thing your your flow toy you Mm. know make sure that it's 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 there um It's very important. Yeah, that's actually one of the secrets to success um, from the book Think and Grow Rich, which is like definitely carry a pen and pencil, if I'm not mistaken. It's like just have notes available. Um, That is a key to success. And I wanted to say too, I don't sit over here and actually think I'm a creative genius, but I do think all of us have a potential creative genius within us. So everyone listening has access to the creative genius. I'm not sitting here saying I'm special. Oh yeah. But. Oh, so to that point, uh, the yeah, um, Elizabeth Gilbert actually, <laughs> she was the one that said, you know, genius, genie. In her TED talk, look up Elizabeth Gilbert's genie, uh, genius TED talk. Uh, 20 years ago, maybe mm. she is like, yeah, this is, this is something that is not a genius is not somebody 
that you you aren't. Mm-hmm. You know, a genius is you in an IntelliKey in a a symbiotic relationship with your daimon. Yeah. You know, and th- th- and that's the that's the point of all the stuff we were talking about earlier about the poltergeist and the haunting. Mm-hmm. You know, is that you know you fuse that and you 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 integrate and you become and all of us have it. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, um, one of my most recent podcasts as well, it was called uh, Discovering the Diamond Inner Genius with Michael Phillip. And we talked very much about that. It's not that anyone is a genius. They have a genius. The genius is the diamond. It's the thing that gives you these intuitive nudges as to certain paths to take. Um, It'll tell you a thing not to do. It'll tell you this thing's a really good idea. You should do it. Um, but it's not every thought. They come. It comes sporadically, and it's maybe a couple times a week, maybe a couple times a month. I mean, sometimes you get really, really good at honing your communication with the daemon. Maybe you do get daily nudges. Um, but I'd liken it to the intuition. You know, it's like I'm getting an intuition that I shouldn't go to that thing. I'm getting intuition that I really should actually work on this instead of, you know, play the video game or yeah. whatever. You know, so that's the inner genius. And we all have access to that. And that's so interesting. It's so interesting. Um, but uh, to, to circle back a little to to the music um, would you share what are some of your biggest musical influences? Right on the top of the saddle is Peter Gabriel. Okay. And why is that? Mandel's legend. You grew up on his music or? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I mean, uh, us, that album, us was m- my mother bathed me in that music as Mm. a child. Mm -hmm. And you know, I mean, so is also superb. His, I, I, the, the deeper I go, the, the weirder it gets. And I'm like, I'm, I'm with it. I'm with it. I really like, uh, four, yeah, you know, his his fourth uh, self titled mm-hmm. album. Uh, you know, rhythm of the heat and San Jacinto. But why? It's speaking to you. It that music has a has a well. I mean. It, it kind of, you know, it comports with the, the, the rest of all of this. You know, Peter Peter has been working on the same kind of, he's been chewing the same nut that we've been chewing in this conversation mm-hmm. about 
the analog, the digital, the the self, the small, small, small and large self, mm-hmm. you know, and he, he was very rhythm of the heat is union explicitly. Um, yeah, he's just, I don't think I would, I mean, he's, he's like an uncle to me musically. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I have this theory um, about the music and maybe even the art that we're attracted to, which is it's revealing a part of ourself. It's like it's acting as a mirror. It's letting me see who I am. And that's why it's so interesting. That's why astrology is so interesting to so many people is it's about you. And people love to learn about themselves. Right. You know? So good music, it's like, oh, by by running this simulation through my mind of trying to understand what they're talking about, what the lyrics mean, I'm learning about my own circumstances, my life, my karma, my lessons, my relationships. And then we kind of attach to that uh, the admiration to that artist but really in a sense and you know not a, not a narcissistic sense but I was going to say like we should attach the admiration to ourselves and learning more about who we are and, and how can I create in the way that that uh, inspires me I'm inspired by Maynard James Keenan of Tool I'm inspired by Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails why? because they speak to a part of myself. It's like, ah, I understand myself better through the art that they're providing. And so many people can put them on the pedestal and say, they're the God, they're the rock God. I could never be anything like that. But we do, I don't know. I, and a lot of musicians do get this, but people that want to be a musician, but haven't started that path yet and haven't like gone down the trails and learned the lessons, they think they're not good enough and that some people are just born fucking rock gods and how could I attain to that? But I don't know. Part of me that's helped me in my creative path is realizing that the musicians are pointing me back to myself and not to like necessarily idolize or worship them. They don't want you to worship them. That's why they hide. That's why they don't do interviews. That's why they don't go in public. That's why you never see Trent Reznor. (laughs) They don't want to be idolized. They're just trying to Mm -hmm. bring their soul forth. And then we see our soul in the mirror of that. And if we can do a good job of transmuting that, we can bring our soul forth as well. And then we'll continue to pass that torch to future generations. You know what I mean? That's my thinking about it. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. It's, the griot. You yeah, know. that that artist is showing Michael Michael. It's like, mm, I'm seeing myself through his work. Well, the griot in you know in in the African storyteller you know who's carrying the song and the story but his 
instrument is ensouled. Mm. You know, he's it, it's 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 a being. He's in communion with a being. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, there's a lot there. Yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. I mean, there are also muses that we can have. And I'll say this. This is interesting. I haven't talked a lot about this publicly, but so many of my older songs have been mistaken as love songs. It's it's like when people hear it and I'll ask, what do you think I'm talking about? They'll be like, oh, clearly a girl, clearly a relationship, clearly someone you love and you want to get close to. And it's so funny. I mean, it's not like I haven't written songs about that. I have. But so many times people say that the interpretation is it's about a woman. It's about me loving something. It's actually about my mystical experience and my communion with the divine realm, with with God. Yeah. You know, so that's that's a, a real potent thing that happened for me in my own Uh, evolution as a songwriter where I realized that all the songs I was writing about a particular instance were actually about a cosmic scenario, Mm. you know, in in the same way that like uh, Sufi poetry. Yeah. uh, Rumi does the same thing. He's talking about his lover. Yeah. It's the same, it's the same deal. And, the the what really cracked it open for me thank alex gray for the mission of art that book which i read uh you know the year before i was living in the haunted house mm-hmm. i it was like a that was the fulcrum where i realized that uh, all of these songs that are about this thing are about all things. Mm. Love that. I'm I'm looking for my lyrics right now. Darn it, it's not showing it. I should remember my own lyrics, no? <laughs> and I could remember it, but I just didn't want to sit here and try and remember it. But uh tell me, Sue, so, so what's your favorite song you've ever wrote and written? And and what are the what are the lyrics? You know, like what what's the chorus? I don't have a favorite. Well, what's maybe the crowd's favorite? Uh, maybe maybe someone's you've noticed one gets more plays or people mention it more. There is one song that you released on time. Oh yeah, you don't have to move, right? Yeah, you don't have to move. I love that song. And I don't, uh, you know, what you ought to do. Uh, I I mm-hmm. just did the AI music video. For you don't have to move. Oh wow! I'll yeah, send, send it over. I'll send it to you right now. Like, yeah, please do. Fucking, that's that. That's there got you it. Go. Got it. You know, and 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 maybe the the pithiest encapsulation I can put into anything uh, was, and this brings us full circle. Actually, this is beautiful. Thank you, Matt. Mm-hmm. Um, Because I started, I, 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 the song started in my mind 
actually, when I was at the lake, at the fourth in the series of those UFO sightings in 2006 and seven. Mm -hmm. And the last time I saw one of them, I just had this sense that angels appear when you don't need to prove them. Mm -hmm. You know, when you stop trying to prove them. Sure. And so that's it. That was, that was the consummation of everything. It was like, you can race yourself up the mountain of rational, analytical intellect. Yeah. And it's an asymptote. And eventually... I don't know what that means. What does that mean? An asymptote is a curve on a Cartesian plane that never approaches... I mean, it approaches, but never actually touches mm. the axis. Okay. The, you know, court, like, so, right. you know, you, you're like sweeping up all the way. Like, imagine like right. a falcon flying, yeah. up, like, yep. all the way up tw right next to the building, right? Yes. But not touching the building. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. And yeah. yeah, anyway. I love that. Well, why is it called you don't have to move? Because the uh because you don't. Because move in which way? Philosoph philosophically you don't have to move? Yeah. Well, because the movement happens because mm the Tao has aff afforded you ah. the movement itself. I love that. I think that is very wise. That is a big lesson. And that is something I didn't recognize until I read the Tao Te Ching four times. I didn't even get it the first time. But we often think if we take a rest period or an inactive period, stuff's just going to stop. You know, we think that our signal that we've put out in the past just ends if we don't press on and continue. I don't think it's true. We have to allow these breaks for things to magnetize. Um, so I agree. You don't have to move. Put out your work and learn how to step back. That's the Tao. You know, that's, that's one of the teachings in the Tao. Do the work, then forget it. You know what I mean? It's, it's not obsess about it and push, 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 push every day. I have to push. It's like, yeah, there's a certain amount of that for sure, but it's a balance and people don't know how to take a step back and guess what that leads to burnout. That sucks. Now you're sick of the thing you love because you pushed it too far. I've been sick of music a million times. That's why I've taken years off of it. I just released a new EP for the first time in a long time, but it <laughs> took it. Okay, I will. I thought I did, but I'll resend it. But um, <clears throat> I'm 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 so busy. I'm sorry. I probably did. I probably didn't send it. Um, 
anyway, um, <clears throat> it takes fresh eyes and fresh ears to learn to appreciate our art. So many times I listen to a mix, so many times that I start changing things that don't need to be changed. And it's like, it sounded way better before. You know what I mean? It's like, now I'm undoing shit. I'm looking for old save files because like, what did I do? I fucking ruined it by trying to dial it too far. It's interesting. You know, sometimes it takes fresh ears. So, you know, my advice for uh, creators of music is work on your thing. Do the four hours, the eight hours on it, and then drop it for three days. Try not to listen to it. Try not to think about it. Come back after three days. Listen again. That break does a ton for us. Seriously. Absolutely. You know? No, that's true. You need to let your, your field's life follow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm, that was something else. I'm trying to remember what this point was I was going to say. Damn it. I might have got swept away. It'll come back though. <clears throat> but um, yeah, it's interesting to, to, to go back to the idea of writing about the mystical. Um, and it's getting confused for love. I wonder how many times that's the case. Because it almost seems like every song is a love song, especially songs playing in like the grocery stores. Like when you're shopping, it's like, Jesus, everyone's talking about love, love, love. And when you don't have a life full of love and you don't have a partner, it's like, it, it makes you sad. <laughs> it like, it makes you like, I, why don't I have the love? Like this guy in the song's obsessed with this woman and she loves him. And it's like, why don't I have it? It's like depressing to hear all these songs when you don't have what it's seemingly speaking about. But it's interesting is it's, it's speaking about that because that's where your mind is in lack of. When you have it, you can enjoy the song. It's so weird. It's so weird. Like when, now that I have love and a life partner, I can hear a sad love song and appreciate the beauty and not be like, I don't want to hear that. It's making me sad. You know? <laughs> But also, I feel like I've said this on one of my podcasts recently about how I feel like I almost manifested my love through the writing of songs and how the writing of songs are almost the ultimate uh, mate, mating call, mating ritual, mating dance. Oh, they are. Like, sure. You know, it's like it calls it in in the same way we were talking about earlier. Uh, when you write a song or make a painting about a thing you want to manifest, it comes so fast and I don't exactly know why, except that creation is the fabric of the universe. And by using creation and creative uh, creativity, we send deeper pulses into the fabric uh, that attract then and magnetize then the experiences that we're creating about. It's like we're speaking the language of God, you know? Fucking a man, yeah. I, I, I salute you. <laughs> I salute you too. <laughs> That's awesome. 
<clears throat> well, brother, I feel like the last leg of learning the Michael Garfield story is about your podcast. We have not discussed your podcast, Future Fossils. Um, it's interesting to me how so many of us podcasters start as musicians. Um, I myself find that I was drawn to podcasting because I was fan. I, I was a fan of podcasts, um, and I enjoyed them so much that it was almost like uh, I want to do that too. Um, but also, when we write a song, sometimes a song can take a month, sometimes it can take a year. And, you know, we certainly get out a certain level of existential inquiry through our lyrics and our tones that we choose to put into the music. But it's almost like we can fire off these ideas at a quicker rate and a quicker speed through the act of podcasting. Now you don't get one song or one album from Matt Z in a year. You can get a ton of my existential shit through the podcast. Some, you know. That is one thing I enjoy about it is <clears throat> I don't have to do this poem that has to rhyme and it has to really encapsulate an idea and have a beginning, middle and end and be this like perfect structured form of art that we can really get in our heads about. It's not good enough, this and that. Just the act of conversation, we can still share a lot of these ideas that are probably coming up through the lyrics, coming up through the tones, but just in a more casual way. I want to know, would you relate to that? And also, how did you decide, I want to make a podcast? When did that become like, oh, that's that's in my dharmic journey, you know? It's funny that you say that because this has been very much the focal point. I mean, okay, so... We started... Our call today with, you know, we're, we're in the, the morning after screening Alien Dreamtime with Ken Adams, working with Terrence McKenna, who was very clear about how the mushroom had appointed him as a speaking point. Right. You know, that, that, uh, okay. You go out on this branch and sit on it and sing your song. Mm -hmm. And yeah. So for me, I mean, it's like, you know, the art and the, the music and the podcasts are all kind of, uh, inextricable from one another because they all deal in the same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, what happens is that you, you get lit up, you have to communicate, Uh, Richard Doyle said this in Darwin's pharmacy better than anyone, I think, 
Like that's mm-hmm. my, again, like to this day, my favorite book on psychedelics. Mm-hmm. That, you know, you look at Arrowhead Trip Reports and it's page after page of hypergraphical claims of ineffability. <laughs> yeah. It's like everybody, you know, what, like where did language come from? It came from people being like having their minds blown and just wanting to to communicate the experience to someone else. Yeah. And and so, you know, the the music and all of that stuff, I was I st- Future Fossil started because I was already a songwriter and already painting at festivals and people asked me to do more mm-hmm. alex gray asked me to do more oh that's awesome alex told randall roberts uh to tell me that the world needs more speakers Mm. like Terrence McKenna. Wow. That was Art Outside Festival in uh, Texas in 2015 that Randall, Randall relayed that message for me, for which I will be forever grateful. Um, and it's like, yeah, it's, it's true. It's like, yeah, the art is great. You know, everybody makes art. Yeah. Everybody makes music. Every, but like, it, but I mean, whatever, what, if you're listening to this right now, like whatever your thing is, it's your thing. You know, you find your thing. There's a million channels into which you can pour your divine creative profusion. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of them are just cut deeper than others, you know, and some of them are, you know, I, I love that the world is, that this word, ikigai, is getting out in the world. Yeah, I love that one. Yep. I love that I love that people know that the meeting you the world's needs with your abilities is uh the way that we should structure an economy. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's I mean future fossils grew out of that of just the the sense that what I have in my star chart is the responsibility to help connect people and help connect ideas and anchor that over the ages Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. I love that. That reminds me of <clears throat> something I've explored a couple times, but it's like the blessing of the king. So in this story, Alex Gray, obviously one of the best artists of our time, maybe even of all time, gave you the blessing of the king to uh, do your dharma. It's, it happens to a lot of people. Um, so what people don't know about the king archetype is they often think that it's like an authoritarian, you know, position, but actually a good king. And we've known there's been bad kings and we know there's been good kings, but a good king blesses people. He gives them affirmation. That is the, 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 uh, beneficent archetype of the king is he lets you be who you are. He sees you and he gives you affirmation and he gives you encouragement. Um, that's really cool. And uh, I've heard that story a number of times where some type of better artist than the person is currently says, you've got something, uh -huh. keep going. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I was so incredibly lucky to have so much of that in my life. Mm -hmm. um, through Robert Bacher with the dinosaurs, mm -hmm. you know, through uh, all kinds of people. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's, it can't be, uh, <clears throat> that's such a good such a good lesson say what taylor mcferrin bobby mcferrin's son oh wow okay. i opened for him in austin once upon a time and he was like you're dope yeah that's what we're talking about right like, yep just that like boing. right exactly pass it on down 100 percent. and i think that you know more of us out here that are really talented and, and that are creative and that are following our life purpose and on our dharma and we're seeing success remember it's not a competition bless those around you you know what i mean it's not Absolutely. if i give them a, some good advice they're going to compete with me now with my own advice that's that's childish <laughs> we need to be out here giving the king's blessing as much as possible that's how we heal the fucking planet I love you, Matt. I, I'm, I'm so glad to see you. I'm so glad to see you uh, exfoliate and uh, effloresce into this. <laughs> I love you too, brother. Yeah, it's just like, it really is just like such a, you know, because I mean, I remember being the punk motherfucker at the open mic who's like the guy slinging the guitar who can't handle the fact that there is someone else out there that is like slinging the guitar. He's also good. And like, why can't we like, we can't get along, you know, it's like stags, you know, jutting their antlers at each other. <laughs> It's like, right. come on, you know, like we are all great. And 
you know, who doesn't love a moose? Mm-hmm. Yeah, who doesn't love a, just like a, a, a regal ball moose? <laughs> yeah. You know? So it's like, I mean, but, but, you know, I guess they all have their territories. So what, what we're talking about is male mammal, uh, provisioning, I guess, but at any rate, mm-hmm. absolutely. It, it, well. It's, it's true. It's, it's equally true for the female as well. It's, it's, uh, it's just this, like, allow it to be, allow it to flourish. Mm-hmm. There's room enough. The plants, the, do you realize how big this earth really is? Mm-hmm. You know, there's space, there's space. Everybody gets to be. Pierre Teardeshan and said, hyper collectivization leads to hyper individuation. Hyperpersonalization, right? You know, that's I love. I love that about Kid Cudi. You know, um, I remember. You know, of course, I love his music, but hearing in a couple of his interviews, he's very motivational. Um, He's also been through a lot of hardship, um, which makes him very strong individual. But he, he was very much like, "Be you. Don't try to be anyone else. Don't try to be me. Don't try to be." Drake, don't try to be Kanye. Don't try to dress like someone else. Be you. Be unique. Cause that's what makes you stand out. You know, it's and it's so many people want to look like a thing because it has the success. Oh, if I wear that chain that looks like it's diamonds, people will finally take me seriously. But it's just be you to the highest. You can be you, the most unique version of you, like the 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 realest you, the most authentic you. That's gonna broadcast your signal a lot better than trying to look like someone else or be be your idol. You know what I mean? It's like we all have idols, we have people we look up to, and yes, we see something in them that inspires us to want to be similar, but to mimic and simulate something you're not that's not going to do you any favors and people can smell the bullshit even if they don't know they can smell it (laughs) they can smell it well i mean i mean maybe yeah i mean street rat shit aside like the fact of it is that like what is it uh nietzsche right like the star Mm-hmm. Everybody's got one. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, Michael talked about that a little bit recently. But I mean, to speak to you and your uniqueness, I mean, you are unique. You have individuated because you have this very specific feel. It's fossils. It's dinosaurs. It's psychedelics. It's aliens. These are cool things that set you apart. You know what I mean? It's like it's not just the same old ayahuasca. Ayahuasca big hat. (laughs) And I love the ayahuascas and the big hats, but I'm just saying like to stand out and really show this is my interest. I'm doing that more with my yoga now, you know, I'm I'm, uh, been interested in yoga for a long time. Love yoga. but I haven't really like made it a part of my personality as much, at least not until recently. Now I'm, I'm starting to really own 
the yogi, the yogi that is Matt. You know, it almost felt like <clears throat> a badge before. It's like, I don't want to say I'm a yogi, even if I am one. It feels too... What's your birthday? December 11th, 1990. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. You're coming up on 33. Yeah, we were just talking about that. We Just yesterday, me and Steven, one of my best friends, we were talking about 33 is coming, and we feel like it's going to be a good year. 33. Christic. Mm-hmm. And the amount of vertebrae we have in our spine too. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's a fun, that's a fun thing. Uh, I think you'll slip into it nicely. <laughs> Let's go. Well, that's awesome, man. Um, that's about all the time we have today, but I, we did touch on, you know, most everything, you know, from, from, your love of dinosaurs from being a child to learning the guitar, to painting, to podcasting, to songwriting and everything in between. Um, I think that's really cool that we finally got to kind of nail this because it's been a long time coming. Um, and I'm going to be seeing you soon, like literally in a week. So we'll be at Psychedelic Science. Hopefully this podcast will drop right before then, maybe while we're there. That'd be kind of fun. I would love it. Take yeah. care, man. Absolutely, brother. Guys, that's Michael Garfield. Check out his podcast, Future Fossils. Check out his music. Uh, there's a single on Time Wheel, timewheel.net you can find. And uh, what's your handle? It's just at Michael Garfield. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you have a website, michaelgarfield.com? No. <laughs> that goes somewhere very strange. <laughs> have fun with that though have fun with that he's, he's also in in texas oh wow okay well what's your website um i event one day and uh i will finally have futurefossils.org up but for now just follow me on patreon or Substack. okay yeah got it all right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening. And thank you once again, Michael, for being here today. We'll see you on the next episode.